Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Nathan Davis at the bottom of the hour. Time now for our play-by-play call today. A big win for SMU last night in Kansas over Wichita State. 15 on the shot clock. Shake running it. Down to 10. He waves off the screen. He's going to go one-on-one with Austin Reeves. Shake floats it. Good! 45 seconds left. 79-73. Jimmy makes the free throw. That'll do it. One week after seeing the Mustangs' record, uh, near-record home winning streak go down, they stop a 27-game home winning streak for Wichita State. SMU knocks off the Shockers 83-78. They become only the second team this season to beat three teams ranked in the Top 15 joining Oklahoma doing that. Yeah, quite a win last night for SMU. Uh, have seen uh, over time, for example, uh, I saw Shake Milton a couple games when Penn State was out in the Vegas tournament. He was a freshman. Got some good players there. Very good players. All right. Our play-by-play call of the day. So, the again the transfer rule is an interesting one. Uh, now the easy one was the basketball rule. That was an easy one about moving the season back three days. Just it gives you more scheduling flexibility. That that's perfectly fine. Uh, Penn State will not be in a, and nor will the other Big Ten teams be in a compressed mode on schedule because the tournament will revert back to the second weekend of March in Indianapolis. Now, this year, because it was moved up a week to accommodate the scheduling at Madison Square Garden, it was compressed. Uh, now, they'll move that back, and you get a little latitude at the front. But, you know, you got some other elements, too, in there. Like, you don't schedule a game during finals week and things like that. You, know, you can't get too adventurous on the study weekend here as to how far away you can go for a game. I mean, there's, you know, there's certain elements. I mean, it's a university. You gotta, you've got to make sure that you are in line with everything that they need. I mean, that's what opens the door and affords you the opportunity to play is the fact that it's a university. Right, uh, so that will that was easy. The red shirt rule is interesting. They're going to take a look at that and vote on that in April. And in football, the red shirt rule would be you can play in four games. But based on how I'm reading it, it doesn't matter what order you play them in. You as you know, a freshman, Sean Carey plays in the first two games of the season play some garbage time in the eighth game of the season, and then uh, gets to play the entire bowl game. That's four games. If he doesn't play in the other nine games, he still has not lost his freshman eligibility. That's how I interpret that rule. It's interesting. 
and they'll vote on that in April. But then there's the transfer rule. The transfer rule is the big one, and it's the toughest one. Right now, if you are a grad transfer, you can then play immediately someplace else. Now, I think there's a caveat in there. I think that they have to have a major that the existing school doesn't have. Something, I don't know, something. But you have grad transfers all over the place that have made key contributions. Jim Harbaugh's first season at Michigan, where they go 11-2, is essentially saved because Jake Rudock transferred in. He didn't have any quarterbacks. I remember looking at until Rudock got there, I kept looking at in the, because I always do a lot of pre-work in the spring. I remember looking at the roster saying, I don't know, who the heck's going to play quarterback here for these guys? There's nobody on there that I looked at and went, oh, yeah. There wasn't anybody. Then Rudock transferred in, who, while not being a superstar, was a competent senior quarterback out of Iowa who had played a lot of games and at least understood the speed of the Big Ten. He was put into a good system, and it worked. And it kind of bailed everybody out the first year. He was really the MVP of that team. Now they're hoping that it catch. You know, it didn't quite work out with John O'Corn, but he was not a grad transfer. He just transferred in. Now they get Shea Patterson. All right. So what they're looking at is that in basketball, men's basketball or football, you could transfer and play right away. The other part to keep in mind is that this rule would go into play in August if it were to pass. One stipulation in the rule, based on how it looks now, is you'd have to have a grade point average of 2.7 or 2.8, or higher, obviously, to be eligible to play right away. If not, you could transfer and still sit out a year. But this would go into play in August, if it were to pass. So if a coach leaves or you're not happy with your playing time, you broke up with your girlfriend, whatever, I don't know, you can transfer. And you could play right away, especially if it's in August. Suddenly you're going to be showing up in the middle of training camp somewhere. Okay. Basketball, same thing. You could you could do that and you you know, starting in August you may see some player movement all over the place. What if, you know, Somebody gets rid of the coach, decides to change coaches, you don't like it, you're going to leave. You're going to play right away. It makes the decision to stay or leave easier. Now that benefits the student-athlete. But it also could take a program and really set it back. That's why you've got to be careful about what decisions you have to make you know along these lines it got me to thinking about the topic that's been really out there now for a little over a year about players that decide to not play in the bowl game and then go into the draft because they're looking about they're they're looking after their own overall well-being post 
college play. Mm-hmm. And I think, okay, yeah, these coaches can kind of jump around wherever they see fit. They have True. that opportunity to move from that mid from that mid major to a power five conference, and and uh, yeah. Well, look, part of this is the fact that coaches do have freedom of movement. Hey, look, there's a buyout. All right, see you later. Right. Now, athletic departments can also move on from coaches, too. It's a two-way street. Um, and then with the transfer part of it, see, this is this is difficult because I am all for cost of attendance. I thought that was a great move by the NCAA. They've been researching it for a while. They did it. They finally, they probably, they should have done it sooner, but okay, better now than never. Because they really can't have jobs, you know, during the course of a year. It's a, it's a full round. It's a year-round thing now. Nutrition stations. I was really for that, especially the fact that the walk-ons can benefit from that. Now, this ability to pay players. Now, of course, you know, where okay, where media becomes. Remember I, I, how I always talk about um, easy versus best. Yeah, that opens up a completely different can, especially right. with uh, but with uh, Jay Billis has mentioned uh, ad nauseum the last year or two. Right. But see, that's easy versus best. What's best? It's easy. Okay, we'll just t- take a chunk, give them money. But every time the argument's brought up, how is the argument couched? The argument is couched as, and we've heard this many, many times, let's just keep it local. What is the worth of Saquon Barkley to Penn State? Okay. And it's always this, what is Baker Mainfield? I mean, what's his worth mean to Oklahoma? What is the worth of... um, what was Deshaun Watson's worth to Clemson? You always hear it related to, quote, the stars, right? Well, there are 125 guys on a football team, guys. Two or three are stars. What about the other 122? What are you doing with the third and fourth team defensive tackle? How do you, how do you account for that? the second, third, or fourth team offensive right guard. How do you account for that? And with Title IX, you'd have to pay everybody. It's a lot of great questions, but <laughs> a lot of them no don't answers. have... Yeah, and if, and if there is an answer, it's definitely not easy right. or, or I mean, simple. And you're always going to meet up with Title IX. There'll be a Title IX suit somewhere saying, well, gee, if you're playing foot, paying football and men's basketball players, because Title IX is completely blind when it comes to revenue. It's, Title IX is all about opportunity. Title IX has nothing to do with, with, with revenue. You're going to have a great... Okay, I, I interviewed yesterday Megan McCloskey. Megan McCloskey, uh, is, this is Mike's daughter. Mike played in the '82 national championship team. Made you know he made the infamous or the famous Nebraska catch. His daughter now is a high jumper here at Penn State. Finished second in the Big Ten indoor last year and third in the Big Ten outdoor. 
She's also the president of the Student Athletic Advisory Board. She was part of the homecoming court. Uh, she did a fundraiser for her coach who's bounced back from leukemia. Uh, has a 3.7 grade point average and was just named to an NCAA committee of student athletes. In other words, maximizing life. Yes. How you like me now, Dad? That's one proud dad right there. And and mom too. I mean, it's, sure. it's great. For, Kyle McCloskey is going to is is coming here too. Oh, great. Um, but athletic, just, just like uh, dad and daughter, dad and sister. Yeah, yep. very much so. And and she has an older sister too that is no longer. She's a, an athlete, but you know, it's it, her eligibility's up. Didn't go here though. And. Maybe McCloskey's done all these things. Well, in Title IX, they're going to say, look, Saquon Barkley is equal to Megan McCloskey. I mean, that's fair. I have no problem with that. But in the world in the world that we live in, in a capitalistic society, the two are not equal in terms of in terms of money generated. Football generates money, track and field does not. That's why I've always that's why it's always bothered me that when it comes time to talk about, you know, whether people should be paid or not or whatever, the NCAA has done a horrible job. A horrible job of explaining where the money goes. And maybe they don't want to. But in the O'Bannon trial, Mark Emmert, his testimony, handed O'Bannon a victory on a silver platter. I read that and I said, who prepped you? (laughs) Okay? All you had to do was get up in front of the jury and look at them and say, how many of you people really love women's soccer? How many of you love the idea that you can have a men's track and field team and a women's track and field team? How many of you love the sport of women's volleyball? If it, if the trial's in Pennsylvania, how many of you love wrestling? Well, you got to show a hands from the jury and say, well, guess what? You want to know how it's paid for? It's paid for because of football from, from revenue from football and men's basketball. That's how our system works. We give, using terminology they would say, we give 800 student-athletes an opportunity at a scholarship regardless of gender that the scholarship of Saquon Barkley... Now, I don't know if Megan's on a full scholarship or not. Let's say Megan is, Okay. The value of Megan McCloskey's scholarship is exactly the same as the value of Saquon Barkley's scholarship. They're both Pennsylvanians, so they both would be at their scholarships under the state rate. And so their value is the same in our eyes. But we're able to get the money from football and men's basketball, and we're able to use that to make sure that Megan McCloskey has her scholarship. They never explained that. He went into some... Emmert went into this big highbrow, you know. The, the, so he made some ivory tower speech, which was the worst thing he could have done. I'm like, okay, well, you know, 
when they were talking about common sense, did, did, did you miss the meeting? I mean, I have no idea. But if you tell people that's how intercollegiate athletics works, where you explain to everybody that intercollegiate athletics is not about 98 scholarships. It's not about the 85 you give in football and the 13 you give in men's basketball. Intercollegiate athletics is also about the other 702 you give out at Penn State in sports that don't generate revenue. Well, they generate revenue, but their expenses, I mean, are way off the, you know, the chart. I mean, nothing else. Men's ice hockey breaks breaks a, goes a, a little bit above even here, so they make they're a little bit in the in the green. Every other sport at Penn State, hey, the other twenty eight sports are in the red. But that's okay. It's made up for by the three sports in the green: football, men's basketball, and then again, there's a little bit of margin that hockey has. Men's ice hockey. Simple as that. And they and that system has worked. Well, for the 98 scholarship student, the 98 scholarship student athletes in football and men's basketball, but it's also worked really well for the other 702. It's great to hear back from our friend of the show, Troy. Uh, he's on our Facebook page. Like us on Facebook if you haven't done that yet. Uh, he says, what's the argument against letting athletes market themselves? Someone wants you to pay to sit down and sign yeah, autographs for an hour. Why can't good they? Point. Someone wants to put you in a commercial. Good point. Why can't they? He's right. Does Title IX have a say in that? I don't think so. No, uh, Troy's right about that. Uh, Troy Troy brings up a, po- a, a point of discussion that must be talked about. It, it, you know, it doesn't, you know, now that's, that's using your own market value. I'm trying to think of who the heck it was. Was it Indiana or Purdue? May have been Indiana. Uh, get this. This is this. I'm going back ten years now, ten, eleven years. They used him on a calendar for charity, and the NCAA said he couldn't play X amount of games. You're like, it's for charity. It's to help out people who need help. Excuse me, yo yo, hey. I mean, that's where they that's where they're losing the boat on common sense. And Troy brings up an excellent point. Can you allow them through? autograph shows, commercial endorsements to market themselves. Now again, a an athlete, an elite running back at a school versus a track and field athlete, well, you know the elite running back is the one they're going to say, hey, can you do this for us? I think it's a fair point, a fair question, and a very fair discussion point. I've never really heard an argument against it where I sat back and went, okay. I think it's something that should be looked into. But you know what's interesting about all these transfer rules and about sitting out bowl games and things like that? You know what I find interesting in all that? How have, haven't we always been taught, at least me going up through my ranks, how important team was? I can tell anybody right now, without any reservation, 
that his name is not on the show, but Sean Kerry is a gigantic reason for any success we have in the show. We're a team here. Okay? Our sales staff goes out. They sell the show. Okay? Where's the show going to be without Sunbury Motors, Brewers Outlet, Purdy Insurance, you know, and the, and the many others along the way that contribute to this show? So the sales staff does their part. So it's a team operation. Yeah, my name's on it. But this doesn't happen without the, the commitment and the vision of Roger Haddon. It doesn't happen without the sales staff selling. It doesn't happen without the hard work Sean does. Right? I mean, so we've always been taught how important teamwork was. Yet every every one of these rules that we're talking about here transfer rule, uh, sitting out bowl games. Uh, Troy properly brought up the, you know, hey, how about the endorsement part? It's always about individuals. It's never about team. That's why I admire it. I mean, look, I, I respect anybody who makes any decision they want to do about their own because it's a, you know, you can get hurt. But I'm going to forever admire the fact that Saquon Barkley played in the bowl game. That he looked around and said, no, this is my team. I'm still part of the team. I'm playing. I admire that. All right. We'll take a break. I'm trying to think, did I leave? And say, I should have mentioned Lawrence. Lawrence is a big part of what happens here, too. Sure. Did I leave anybody out? Mm. Let's think here. Oh. I think we're good. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be with the sales staff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the balance sheet says this month, but I think he'd be with the sales staff. <laughs> As we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Roots 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Tomorrow's a show in Chicago. As Penn State plays at Northwestern tomorrow. All right. We bring in the head basketball coach at uh, Bucknell. Five wins in a row, including last night beating Loyola. 78 to 70, Nathan Davis. Coach, welcome. Great to have you with us. Thank you. It's always my pleasure to be on. Uh, let's start with this a 50 point second half. You find yourself down by, what, five at halftime on the road. You, know, you learn something in every game about your team. So, on the road last night, what did you learn? I think it just kind of reinforced what we've, we've thought all along, and that when we're focused and playing together, we're tough to beat. And I thought that we had some, much like even on Monday night, we had some really careless turnovers and made some poor decisions that put us in a hole offensively. In the second half, we kind of eliminated those and were able to score some points because of it. So you were able to do that. What kind of rhythm did you get in the second half to put a 50 spot up? Uh, certainly much better because we weren't giving them the ball away. It's it, it's amazing how much it helps when you don't throw the other team the ball. Well, <laughs> and, exactly. Uh, <laughs> those are those are empty possessions. That yeah, is a yeah. and let's face it, nine times out of ten on a turnover, it's a possession you didn't get a shot. Right, and we just for whatever reason, I wish I could explain it. We just threw some poor passes. Um, 
I think sometimes it's a little bit of us too trying not to make a mistake, um, and then sometimes it's trying to force things when they're not necessarily there. Um, but I thought in the second half, really in both games, but it, it stands out yesterday because we scored 50. We did a much better job of just playing the game and playing freely and keeping it simple. And when we do that, we are very dangerous offensively. Right now you're plus 24 assists to turnovers at this point. Most teams would take that. How much better do those two numbers need to be for you? Well, it's, they need to be much better because it's skewed a little bit. We were, we were way ahead um, a big time in our non-conference play. I believe we're down 40 in league play or something like that, mm. maybe 20 in league play. So it's, it's a thing where we were turning it over in non-league play about 12.7 times per game or per, per, yeah. uh, per, percent of the time. Not mm-hmm. per game, but percent of the time. In the league play, we're close to 19% of the time. For uh, for some reason, so we've just got to do better with it. We've got to pay more attention to it. It's one of those things, though, where you don't want it to be a thing where it handicaps your freedom of, of playing and your confidence. But there's things we can do. Um, I think as a group that will will help us. And if we can get shots, we're we're tough to beat. Uh, you said for some reason. I'll take it one step further. You've looked at the tape. Why is it? Just, is it carelessness? Is it not being in the right spot? Bad chemistry at a moment? What you know, or all of the above? Um, I wish I could say it was one thing. I think that the, the first thing is in our league, teams are defending us a lot differently. Um, they really are, are collapsing the lane, um, and frankly, sometimes we over penetrate, and we have a chance to throw it a step earlier and don't, and so people we get we get balls get deflected. Um, they're collapsing the post, and sometimes we're waiting, thinking they're going to go back out, put it down, and they're and they're digging instead of just kicking it out and getting a better position again the next time. Um, I think there's times we just read the play wrong. I got to do a better job of teaching it and what we're looking for. Um, and then there's times also, like I said, I think our guys really try to do what we want them to do. And sometimes instead of just playing freely, um, they start worrying about throwing it away and things like that, and become tentative. And that's certainly not the answer either. So there's a number of things that we need to work on to get better at, but it's stuff we can all we can do. So that's the good thing about it. It's interesting because I've always told people that in postseason play, at least in my experience announcing it, there are spots open on the floor that haven't been open for two months because in conference everyone knows everybody so well. I mean, is right. that fair? Yeah, I don't think there's anything in doubt. There's there's no doubt about it. I think everyone's very familiar with every player. Um, Coaches, let's be honest, we don't reinvent the wheel every year and change what we're doing. We make <laughs> may tweak it, but a lot of stuff stays the same. Um, and so guys become comfortable with what you're doing. And so being able to, to make the next play, a lot of times, is the biggest deal. Um, and always, I think, basketball comes down to quality shots, and a lot of that is shot attempts. And the good thing for us is we've been really doing well on the, on the, on the boards. Like we got rebounded Loyola last night by 15, which is what made up for some of the turnovers. We, had, we got extra shots that way. Uh, let's uh, talk about pace for a moment. I mean, obviously the overall number showed you about 80 points a game. You're 37th in the nation, according to Ken Palm, in adjusted tempo. Do you like the pace with which you're playing? I do. I do, I think. And it's it's another one there which actually is kind of harder in our league just because of the pace some of the teams play is, is slower. Um, but I, I think for the most part, I mean, we're at our best when we're playing at somewhere close to 80 possessions in a game. Um, and And getting the ball out, make or miss, and getting it up and attacking is, is a big part of what we need to do to be successful. All right. When you do that, obviously it's going to give you more attempts at the bucket. Does it put more pressure on your defense that you might have to defend longer? And if so, how has is, how is your team done at defending at times longer on the floor? 
I don't think there's any doubt that it does. Um, I think the good thing is our average possession, like when you look at Ken Palm, is only about a especially less than a second difference. Um, but yeah. like I said, in our league, some of the teams are, are playing at a much slower pace than, than we want to do. So I think that one of the things we've really done in the last five games since we did lose to Boston is our defensive focus, effort, consistency is much, much better. Um, it's In a lot of ways, it's night and day. I mean, I think in, in our efficiency on defense right now on Ken Palm, we're 89.4, which is first yeah. in, league, in league games, which is outstanding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is outstanding. Absolutely. We'll be one of the best ones in the country, and I think some of it comes back to again. Um, I think our guys are in good shape. I think they focused in on it, and I think we've got depth. So, guys, we're not asking you to go out there and do it for, for eight straight minutes. Um, yeah, you can go out there and fly around for, for five or six, and we can get somebody else in who can do the same thing. So, I think by that's, way, it's for, just to our advantage. And for the audience, by the way, 15.9 seconds per possession for Bucknell, 16.7 for the opponent. In conference, it's 16.1 Bucknell's 16.9. So it's about you know the same differential in the conference right. as to how, how you played it out. It's that way the audience knows what we're talking about here. Uh, have you have you liked the free throw line for you? It's, it's been good. I think we've done a good job of getting there. I think a big key last night, again, is, is when we talk about our defense, things we look at um, is obviously points for possession. We want to hold teams under 40% from the floor which we didn't quite do last night, but we are in league play right at, at, I think, at 38%. We want to hold teams under 30% from three in league play, but right about 30.7%, so we're close. And then free throw-wise, we'd like to make more than our opponent takes. And last night, that was a big key, is we made 22 out of 26, and Loyal only shot 18. So that's a, that's a plus in our, in, our, in our bag, I think. Holy Cross is coming in on Saturday at noon. Uh, your thoughts on the uh, Crusaders coming in at this time? I mean, I know it's about you, but still, for the fans going, just a quick thumbnail of the Crusaders. Well, I think first off, they're coming in, they're going to feel good about themselves. They beat a, a quality team in Army West Point last night and played well. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very young. Um, they don't have a lot of experienced players returning. Carl Charles, who's who's hurt us in the past, is back. He's a senior. They have a, uh, a postman who's really improved. His name is to my mind, number 20. <laughs> Sitting here watching all day. Hey, his name is to my mind, number 20. But he's really improved. He's athletic. He shoots right and lefty jump hooks. Is a monster on the glass, blocking shots. Um, and what Coach Carmody does is they run the old-school peak Carrill Princeton offense. Um, they're very right. deliberate. They back screen and back cut and ball screen and then back cut you again and and try to get you out of rhythm that way. And then they'll, they'll play multiple defenses defensive on the other, and they'll play some 1-3-1. One, one. They'll play some – it's not really a matchup, but it's not really a switching man. It's kind of somewhere in between. And all is in an effort to slow you down and get you to kind of – instead of play with pace, play at the pace they want. So a uh, big part will be sustaining defense and then pushing the ball offensively and making them guard the whole whole time and not standing there holding the ball trying to figure out what's going on. I think number 20 is Floyd, I think. Floyd is it. That is correct. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> yeah. the, uh, and by the way, Pete Carrill, Dick Girardi and I always referred to, <laughs> to Pete Carrill as Yoda. Um, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, if he's Yoda, then Bill Carmody is Obi Wan because they were together <laughs> for a long time. Oh, I know Bill. I know Bill. As a matter of fact, all those years at Northwestern and at Princeton right. together, you get into late game situations. Now it's down to four minutes to go in a game. Do you like who who's handling it, and also shot selection? Uh, as to what you need in, in that situation? Because you do a lot of situational uh, uh, things in practice. 
Yeah, I mean, the way we're going to play is we're going to try to get Nana Fowl on the ball in the post. We're going to try to get Zach Thomas isolated, um, top of the key on the wings at times. And we're going to put Stephen Brown, Jimmy Sotos, and Kimball McKenzie in ball screens um, with those guys is the other thing we're going to do. And we're really trying to do that pretty much all game. Um, and at the end of the game, we're not really going to deviate from that. That's kind of the things we're looking for. And then we trust the other guys to, to make plays off those things. So you're trying to get the ball into the hands of your better players. Yeah, what, an odd philosophy. It? <laughs> what, a, what an odd philosophy you have, Nathan. I just, I, I'm blown away. Yeah, it's, it's stunning, isn't it? <laughs> I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll, I'll tell you a quick Joe Paterno story from years ago. Somebody called the talk show, and they were talking about some scheme or whatever, and we went to a commercial break, and there was a whiteboard where we were doing the show. And he says, Steve, and he put up 11 zeros, and he put up 11 Xs. He says, you want to know what's going to make this play work? I want to know the name attached to that circle. I want to know the name attached to that X. That's going to tell me exactly why it's going to work. That's the big one. I'll give you one. I heard a great story a couple of years ago that Jim Beheim was doing a clinic, and he was yeah. up on a, uh, this was probably two years ago, and he was up on like a overhead projector because you know he doesn't use computers. Right. And, yeah, that's right. And he's, he's talking about the 2-3 and this and that, and a high school coach raises his hand and asks him a question about how do they guard this or whatever. And he goes, you're going to have to come down and show me I don't understand it. So he starts drawing up, and he goes, oh, I got it. And he takes a big red marker and starts these giant X's on the thing. He goes, you just need to go out and get yourself some bigger X's. <laughs> <laughs> And with that note, I think it's a perfect time to shut it down. That was a great way to end it. <laughs> Nathan, oh, glad you thanks. enjoyed it. I did. That was great. Thanks so much. Good luck on Saturday at noon. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Nathan Davis, that's a great story. <laughs> you need to get better X's, bigger X's. That's great. <laughs> we'll come back, wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WK. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes the truth hurts. The first two weeks of January with sub-zero temperatures put a hurting on Sunbury Motor sales. Well, bundle up and save while SMC delivers the biggest discounts imaginable. Sunbury Motors Ford wants to see you in a brand new Escape or F-150. Save up to eight grand on new Escapes starting at $20,825. Or take up to $14,500 off a new Ford F-150 starting at $25,969. Sunbury Motors Kia doesn't want you to pay a diamond interest for your new Kia. Finance a new Sorento, Sportage, Optima, or Forte for 0% for 75 months. No one has 0% for 75 months but Kia. Sunbury Motors Hyundai wants you with America's best warranty. 10 years, 100,000 miles. Plus, you can save up to $3,807 on a new Santa Fe and $3,112 on a new Hyundai Tucson. Bundle up and save at Sunbury Motors Ford, Kia, or Hyundai in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza Sunbury and Routes 11 and 15 Hummels Wharf. Hey, great to have you with us on the show today. <laughs> uh, we want to thank the, the, the suits and the text that he's listening today. Oh, excellent. Well, I think it doubles already. Yeah. Terrific. All right. As soon as Nathan Davis said no about Bayheim not using computers, I go, this that is going to be so good. Funny. This is yeah. going to be good. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know who didn't use computers for a long time was Vin Scully. 
Vince Scully, I mean, and, and finally he got the um, the Dodgers had hired somebody that said, and this is like, oh boy, late 90s, early 2000s. The Dodgers hired somebody to, hey, look, start putting some stuff into the computer here and, you know, let's kind of take this thing into the 21st century and so forth. And Scully just wanted to write things out, write things out. And this guy kept going up saying, Vin, you know, you can use a computer to your advantage. So one day, I guess he went over to Vin's house. Uh, I think he lives in Pacific Palisades. And he and he goes out there and he, he sets it up for him. He said, and then for about a week or two, Vin called him like like two, three times a day for two weeks to go, hey, what about this? What about this? He said, now it's indispensable to him. I remember in 2000, Purdue was playing in the Rose Bowl. And uh, a really nice gift, by the way. I mean, really nice. I had been with a radio station here in town for 10 years. And as as part of their, hey, thanks for being with us for 10 years, they gave me a, a computer. Yeah, you know, I'm talking about a desktop. This is 2000 now. It wasn't a laptop. So, you know, I finally got it set up and the whole thing, and, you know, we're using it for whatever, you know, getting some stats and so forth. And the day of the Rose Bowl, because Penn State did not play in a bowl game in 2000, so I had no game to do. The next game I had was a basketball game. I sat down on that computer during the Purdue game. Remember specifically, because Breeze was playing the whole thing. And I put together my own program to do my charts on the computer. You know, the one you the ones you see now, pretty close to what I've always done. Right? So I mean, you know, you know so first of all, of all people <laughs> that was you know, like it's almost twenty years ago. So that's why you know Bayheim, I won't use computers, man, you're missing out. You're missing out. Now okay, you know there's no such thing as too much information. It's how you use it. How do you use it to 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 fit who you are and what you think is important and what you don't think is important? Now, you may change your mind over time and say, okay, you know what, that's a little bit more important than I realized, or that's less important than I realized. You know, you adapt every year. Maybe you adapt every week. But there's no such thing as having too much information. Now, at some point, you may want to cut, okay, look, I've got enough here. Because what I always talk about with the game is once the game starts, I am not sitting there looking at the chart or anything like that. I don't look at the chart at all. A lot of it's in the pregame and prep and the whole thing. Yeah. Um, But... Even you know, in a show like this, right? Let's go back to yesterday. Uh, Troy, Troy cited Pro Football Focus and the Steelers' pass protection and and running stats. That's a great use of it. I mean, there's somebody who's thinking, who's who's, who's you know trying to uh, support their argument and so forth. You know, and then of course I brought up today the Tyrod Taylor thing. Like in other words, it, you know, it's not perfect. I mean, Tyrod Taylor was the 12th-rated quarterback, according to Pro Football Focus. Matthew Stafford was 14. 
Kirk Cousins was 20. Now, of those three quarterbacks, which is the one you don't want on your team? Isn't it a battle in the room of discussion between do we want Matthew Stafford or Kirk Cousins? You're not going to have anybody in the room saying, I want Tyrod Taylor. Pro Football Focus says he's the highest-rated guy. Now, Joe Flacco did not throw the ball downfield a lot this year. He was tied for 26th in the Pro Football Focus rankings. Now, you're wondering about Ben Roethlisberger, who's third. Carson Wentz was fifth. Yes, Brady was first. Okay? All right, I got it. Case Keenum was ninth. Bortles was 17th. Nick Foles was 28 or 29. Let's see. Russell Wilson was 6. Breeze was 4. Ben was 3. So... Tyrod Taylor was 12th. And how how often have we always said, Tyrod Taylor, and I've mentioned this several times on the show, analytics loves him because he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. You know, so uh, there aren't a lot of negative plays. So analytics absolutely loves him. But then when you watch the game, when you watch a game, Sean, what do you think watching him play? Well, let's just say not a lot of style points. I mean, when I watch him play, I feel like, okay, I feel like I should be... When I watch him play, I feel like they should be getting more out of him. You know what I mean? No, he looks looks good throwing the ball, things like that, but you feel like there should be more. I watch Kirk Cousins play, and I I feel like I'm getting everything I can out of him. Matthew Stafford, I feel like I'm getting everything I can out of him. But Cousins was 20... Stafford was 14. Tyrod Taylor was 12. There is not a personnel group in the country that would be sitting in a room saying, I think we'll take number five. Your station for news, weather, business, and CBS Sports Radio. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and on WKOK.com.